HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program is brought to you by Michter's Distillery. Visit michters.com to find out how their taste-is-everything, cost-be-damned attitude is creating some of the finest whiskeys available. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. Good morning. You're listening to In the Drink on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. I'm your host, Joe Campanelli. I'm the beverage director of the Epicurean Group of Restaurants. And today on the show, uh, we have an exciting show. We have a friend of mine. Um, but before we get started uh, with Francesco from Canalico di Sopra Winery, um, I did want to introduce uh, a relatively new segment for this show. Um, we're going to be talking about uh, my favorite wine that I had last week. Um, and this week it was the Chaminard Morgon 1998 that I picked up from Appalachian Wines. Um, it is obviously Morgon is one of the crews of uh, Beaujolais, and um, Chaminard is not a producer I was very familiar with before, but uh, I, I was over there for uh, an event and um, got to talking, and I found out they had this really great old bottles of. of of the Morgon and uh, I, I picked I picked one up. So uh, really beautiful. You guys have to check this out. Uh, Morgon is notoriously one of the one of the crews of Beaujolais that ages uh, extremely well, um, and and this one was not an exception to that rule. Except usually it doesn't doesn't uh, didn't have the power that you normally associate with Morgon. A really elegant light wine. I had it at uh, at Lartuzzi with our brand new quail with Radicchio, and it was absolutely delicious um anyway if the last i heard they have six or seven bottles left and it's completely worth it and so check out some chaminard 98 margot now welcome to the show uh francesco from canalico di sopra it is great to have you i've known you someone i've known for years actually my first uh visit to montalcino was was almost 2008 something like that 2000 it was 2008 that's right Um, and we went to uh, we went to visit your estate. Uh, I went with Jeff Toscarella from the Nomad and Vis- Vincent Tarr from Vinifera. Just the three of us. Um, Vince was doing some crazy driving and yeah. <laughs> followed the the GPS the wrong way. Even though I knew I knew 
my spidey senses said that the Montalcino was in the opposite direction, and Vince is, insisted <laughs> to go the, somewhere towards like towards the coast. And I was like, it's the wrong way. So we get there, and uh, your sister had cooked us this incredible uh, lunch. I was completely carsick at the moment, and I had no appetite, but had a bite of her of her soup, and it was all was okay. And yeah, I really remember with great pleasure the first meeting uh, since that we had a very good relationship, friendship. And I'm very, I mean, happy to be here in this radio show to speak uh, with you about uh, my winery, about Brunello di Montalcino and the great terroir where I came from. So at that time in 2008, um, it, it was kind of relatively recent that you had taken over the winery. Is that true? Yeah, I, we can say I was born in the winery because, uh, I mean, uh, my grandfather, my father, my grandfather started staying in 1962. My father uh, entered in the state with my grandfather in 1987, is the year when I was born. And since I was born, I grew up in, uh, we can say, in the cellar, for the, uh, together with the patient of my grandfather and my father making wine. So, But officially, just like uh, work, like job, I started in 2007. And uh, we can say I started with, uh, with a great connection with the U.S. market because I started to to enter in the state with my first trip in the United States in 2007 alone. Okay, and you came in 2011. And when you started in 2007, what was what was your position at that time? Yeah, my position was a, posi- a position that were, there was a lackness in the state uh, because since when uh, my grandfather had a big ill, he has been in a wheelchair for uh, 15 years and he just passed away uh, four months ago. He uh, was the face of the state. So since uh, 1999, when uh, he has been in a wheelchair, there was no more phase of the state, and the state was was passing uh, a, bi- a moment of some problems in terms of marketing, uh, because there, you know, that in the in the world of wine, it's very important to make great wines and uh, to sell great wines. So I think uh, I take the only one position left in the state because my my brother which is managing the state together with me, uh, is doing a great job in the vineyard. So is the main uh, actor for the quality of the wine. But I, I thought uh, just uh, to manage uh, better the seller and uh, to go around uh, to sell the wine. So winemaking and, uh, and marketing and sales of our estate is my position since 2007 in the state. Since, two, since you were... 20 years old. Yeah. Incredible. Incredible. And, and today you're one of three vice presidents of the consortio. Yeah, that's a great uh, I mean, uh, position. That it's, I'm very honored to that because uh, there is a very strong relationship with the consortio del Vino Brunello di Montalcino in my family because my grandfather was one of the founders in 1967 of the consortium. He has been in the years uh, vice president and president for the Rosso di Montalcino. So... It's a very big honor for me to to have this great consideration from the Brunello producer and be uh, and be in the in the board of director just to uh, take care about uh, the promotion and the communication, which is my my position in the consortium now. Now, obviously, your family has a long history there, but when uh, as a relatively young guy you came on, were you immediately welcomed uh, by the other producers, or was it? kind of thing where what does this kid know he's so young no it's uh i mean uh i really immediately welcome from the other producer because uh, for sure the family is a um, montalcino's family has been uh, i don't know for uh, 10 generation in montalcino and i just started to make wine from uh, three generations ago but uh, uh, has always had a 
great reputation in the city, like to be a serious uh, family, very respectful, and also because uh, we can say my grandfather was really a great character in the city. Everybody uh, used to know him, and so uh, and was very friendly with a, a lot of uh, friendship. Friendship, and this is also one of the motives because when. Uh, Dominic Nocerino from Vinifera Imports came to Montalcino in 1979 to select uh, his first Brunello producer. He decided to work uh, with this uh, uh, small guy uh, that was my grandfather, that was not uh, a, famous na- a famous name at that moment. Canalicchio di Sopra was not a famous essay in 1979, but uh, he, Dominic, he really liked the, the, the character of, of my grandfather, so he was very, very famous in the in the area of Montalcino. It's really amazing that kind of vision that Dominic Nutrino had in the 1970s to bring in producers like like you and Bruno Giacosa and Angelo Gaia and all of these all of these guys Hofstadter producers who, you know, now have become so respected and so and so famous. What was that first did did your grand did your grandfather ever talk about what that meeting the first meetings were like with with Dominic Nocerino and this guy he started Vinifera Imports and then tried to convince America to or at least New York at first to to buy nice high end really high quality Italian wines when that's not what people were thinking about in the late seventies and, and early eighties when yeah. it came to Italian wine I think there are just a few people that made uh, in the years this great job for Italian wines in Dominic Nocerino is for sure one, uh, one of that thanks to, to his, uh, we can say, sixth sense to, to choose very uh, great producer that uh, they work at always in a serious way, uh, just uh, thinking about the quality. And uh, that's one of the main characteristics to be present here in this, in this market. So I think this is a great market where you can make also great business in terms of, uh, of money too. But if you don't have the, 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 the seriousness, uh, this, this market, the, 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 I mean, uh, it's discover you that you're not a serious producer. So you have to pay attention. You have to always uh, work uh, in, in terms of, of quality because of here for sure there is a, a big concurrence between uh, all the producers that want to be here. And uh, we are proud and we are very happy to be with Vinifera, but Vinifera, it cannot be uh, a, a great uh, importer without people like you, Joe, that you really appreciate our job. Uh, you really uh, look for uh, wines that speak about uh, authenticity, speak about terroir. They don't, they don't speak only about uh, the brand marketing, but also there is something real inside a wine. So it's a mix. Uh, and I think uh, that... Uh, Vinifera gave the opportunity to have this wine here available, but uh, without your great job uh, and people like you and the new people, like young people, that, they have very great position in the in the sommelier now in the restaurant now. That's that's something that I, I felt, and I felt even if I'm very young, the big changement from 2007, the first time I came here, I have now a great relationship with many people that are almost the age of me, and it's really it's really nice how. These new people, they are not just following brand, uh, big marketing operation, but they really like to discover something of some gem, something of uh, of, uh, of new and unusual. Oh, well, I think you give me way too much credit. I just have to taste wine and uh, like it, and then uh, pop open bottles and and share it with our guests. So you give me way too. You get you guys do. All the hard work, uh, our job is much, much easier in comparison. So thank you very much uh, for that. But I, I, I don't think it's well-deserved. Um, have you changed anything 
um, from the way that you said you're, you know, you're very involved in the winemaking in the cellar. Um, have things changed from the, from the earlier years of, uh, the way your grandfather has done things or have you tried to keep things, uh, the same? No, I mean, uh, uh, Canali Sopra is considered to be a very classic producer in Montalcino, but not, uh, too traditionalist. I, I don't like the degenerative meaning of the words, no? So, uh, traditional means, uh, to be, uh, to make the same things that uh, we used to make 50 years ago. And I think that my grandfather would not be happy, uh, w- wouldn't be happy to, to hear that I'm doing what he, he was doing uh, uh, 50 years ago, in the sense that uh, something is changing for, for sure, but it's changing to make better wines, mm-hmm. not to change the wine. I like to say that uh, uh, in the last uh, 15 years, uh, Canalicchio di Sopra wine has more cleanness, which means for me that... Uh, if uh, we always made uh, terroir wine to speak about terroir, I think that we are more traditional now than 15, 20 years ago because we have been able to put away some defects of the traditional or the very uh, traditional or, or the not big knowledge about producing wine we used to have uh, 20, 25 years ago. And now with more knowledge, we are, we are putting in our bottle more terroir, more purity of fruit. So the cleanness, it's a very important component. At the research of cleanness and the purity of fruit is something that uh, we really uh, look every every time. And, uh, uh, the, the, and uh, for sure, uh, this also can mean to, have, uh, to change uh, something, but not uh, making a wine that uh, speak about cellar operation, just making a wine that more than in the past speak about the terroir. Now, speaking of the terroir of uh, Brunello di Montalcino, um, there is some discussion of separating the separate terroirs of Brunello di Montalcino into classified crews, almost like in the, the Burgundy system. What do you think of this idea? And, and if so, uh, if, you're, if you're for it, uh, where would Canalicchio di Sopra fit? Would, would there be crew Canalicchio di Sopra wines? Yeah, Canalicchio di Sopra is located in the northeast side of uh, Montalcino Hill, which is uh, for sure a historical side of production of the Montalcino. Of Brunello di Montalcino is where we can say the Brunello di Montalcino was born. And we, we are managing vineyards in uh, uh, Canalicchio di Sopra. And so in the crew of Canalicchio, we can say the small portion where there are also other producers, but being the historical producer of this, uh, of this crew, we have the name of the crew in our brand. And we have also uh, six hectares of Brunello di Montalcino and the Montoso Hill. So two of the most important names uh, for Montalcino in the north, uh, in the north side. But uh, uh, Montalcino, for sure, we can, that's my idea. We can speak about uh, uh, the beautiful of Montalcino is that uh, is, uh, is a big place in terms of, uh, of, uh, of uh, square kilometers of the, of the municipality where you can grow Brunello di Montalcino. And you have very different uh, expression of Sangiovese due to the uh, climate, to the weather, to the soil. But it's not that uh, uh, there is just one type of soil in north, one type of soil in south, or one type of soil in west and east, where you can make a very precise classification of, of, of this crew. It's, it's really mixed of soil between the different zone of production, between the, the, the different versant, uh, uh, different side of the hill. So it's really uh, hard to think about a classification like... Uh, uh, it can be uh, made uh, in Burgundy and to arrive to say uh, that uh, uh, there is uh, a classification also in terms of quality 
in uh, in Montalcino. So we can say that the job of the consortium uh, that made in 50 years has been to make a classification of only the best 2,000 hectares we have in Montalcino to plant Brunello. So this is already uh, made a classification because uh, the other option could be to plant uh, 6,000 hectares of Brunello and then making a classification of the best 2,000. We prefer to not make that just to plant in the best place of Montalcino. So we can speak, uh, and we are really speaking in Montalcino to, to think about, uh, um, to, uh, to give a different uh, uh, micro zone from the four different versions of the, of the hill uh, which they give for sure different expression because of the of the weather, but uh, not to make uh, really uh, a division in uh, twenty five thirty crew. Mm-hmm. And because you think it would be too challenging for the consumers, or what? What is the reason not to do the? Yeah, because uh, one of can be that, but it's also because there is a. Uh, uh, not really a reason just to make uh, uh, a classification that can take uh, to have a, a different, uh, how can I say, different appreciation, different uh, uh, quality, and then different value no, of Brunello di Montalcino also for the state because yeah. we already made that just choosing the in the in different zone the best uh, the best place. So uh, I think it's. Uh, uh, it's not easy uh, because you can have some characteristics that you have in the north. You can have, for example, in the west. Uh, you can have because the soil is very mixing and uh, the same. There are some years where, uh, for example, the warm season maybe to under, to make uh, a very classic Brunello di Montalcino, which is in the mind of the people of Brunello di Montalcino, which can age. We are a bit more lucky in the north side because we are we are able to maintain a higher uh, acidity, but uh, some some uh, some years uh, where the the, the the south it takes more advantage. So it I think it can be good to 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 speak about four different climate and the people mm-hmm. they can uh, for what they prefer because it's uh, it's really uh, difficult to say what's the best uh, place of Montalcino. I think it's there is not the best place. It's what what do you prefer? Montalcino already made uh, I mean a selection to only make. Uh, grapes and wine from the best place. Yeah, then- well, I, I have to say that I, 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 I am a big fan of Montalcino, but I do prefer the, the I love your wines. Obviously, we have them at, uh, at all of our restaurants. We have them at Dell'Anima, L'Artuzzi, and Le Piccio. Um, and I love, and you, you alluded to this before, how well they age. Um, I think the youngest wine we have from you in Brunello di Montalcino is maybe 2001 right now. Yeah. Also, one of the really nice things about working with Vinifera is that they they don't feel the economic pressure it seems to sell the you know all of the current wine right away the way uh, maybe some other distributors do when they get to the end of the vintage and they close out the wine or they try to push it along at um, at Vinifera we can we can get like five different six different uh, vintages of Canalicchio di Sopra Brunello di Montalcino which which I love being able to uh, to do that going back to I think ninety five right now yeah ninety four they have available in portfolio. <laughs> including Reserva, 16 different vintage of Canalicchio di Sopra. <laughs> That's an amazing vision from the owner, from Dominic Nocerino, that um, he really understands the value of this wine in terms of uh, capacity for aging. And uh, uh, sometimes to make, uh, to, to brand, to make a brand, to make brandy for an estate, it's very important to show uh, the capacity of aging. And uh, uh, this is really a good opportunity for me, which I came very often here three, four times per year in the United States to organize a lot of wine dinners. I mean, uh, 
the people always hear about Brunello has a great potential for aging, but how many people have the chance to 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 taste? Because there is always this. Uh, uh, we run to sell to sell to sell the the, the current vintage, and um, we don't understand that the, the real value is to show. And especially, I think it's a great service for restaurant because uh, not uh, many restaurant has a space, uh, especially in the city in the city mm-hmm. to buy and also be budget to buy a lot of a lot of uh, uh, cases of, of of a vintage and and then. Uh, keep uh, for 10 15 years uh, uh, some some change and vinifera has a very smart uh, uh, philosophy in, in the sales without charging a crazy price but let the, the people try the eastern of an estate and for for me it's a great opportunity because uh, i like to to make uh, like you know one dinner uh, to sh- to stay with people to present my wines and this year in the united states we meet something like 500 people in different wine dinners around the country, drinking our old vintage every time is almost 10, 12 vintage of Canalica di Sopra. So that's a great opportunity for branding my estate. All right. We're going to be back with more um, for, with Francesco from Canalica di Sopra on In the Drink just after this quick break. Thank you so much. Michter's Distillery is a proud sponsor of In the Drink and HeritageRadioNetwork.org. At Michter's, our passion is making the finest whiskeys possible. When you only make small batch and single barrel whiskeys like Michter's does, your whiskey has to be perfect. No detail is too small, from careful attention to the wood used in the construction of our barrels to lower barrel entry proof before heat-cycled aging in advance of exacting chill filtration. And no whiskey gets bottled until Michter's Master Distiller says it's just right. Michter's Cost Be Damn Taste Is Everything Attitude is apparent in every sip of its smooth, rich whiskeys. Is it worth it? A lot of spirits lovers seem to think so. Food & Wine Magazine called Michter's the best American whiskey. Bon Appetit said it's amazing. And the Wall Street Journal had one special word for Michter's. Phenomenal. For more information, visit michters.com or simply visit your favorite bartender or retailer and ask for Michter's. We're back with Francesco Di Pacioli of Canalicchio di Sopra Winery from Brunello di Montalcino. Um, can, uh, Francesco, I would love for you to, uh, to start off this next, next segment telling us uh, some very, very geeky fact about Brunello di Montalcino that maybe our listeners don't know, some obscure fact that maybe if you're really, 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 really into wine, and especially wine from Montalcino, this would be an interesting thing for you, but it's not easy to find looking up in a, in a book. Yeah, that's a, a good question. That's uh, it's not, not easy to, I mean, to, to answer. Montalcino, yeah, it's, uh, you know, like... Uh, uh, all the places uh, in Italy, it's uh, sometimes a place where we are not very able uh, to stay together. And the good is that uh, from the new generation, something is changing very well. And now it's there is really a very good team uh, that uh, we we work all together to go around uh, and to uh, to bring uh, the brand of Brunello di Montalcino. But in uh, so in this in this moment, uh, it's very. I mean, hard to think about uh, some obscure fact happening in Montalcino. It, maybe everybody knows what uh, happened a few years ago, but everything now is solved. And I think uh, from that uh, uh, period, is is really started a new 
era for Montalcino is a very positive way in a very uh, very friendship way between producers and that's thanks to the new generation that are coming coming out and uh, they are really uh, doing a very good job together because don't forget Montalcino is not a, a single brand of a producer of a, of a brand but Montalcino is really a brand that we have to share so uh, more people they know the Brunello di Montalcino than the single brand even if there are producers that have been in the market for many years now they have a, his famous brand but without Brunello di Montalcino I don't think it's, it could be the same well let's talk about the growth of Brunello di Montalcino then in the in the late 1970s for instance in 79 how many producers were there in Montalcino maybe you don't know exactly in 1979 but in, in the no, late 1970s no, I, I mean I know the growing of the numbers the explosion was in the 90s like everybody knows and uh, uh, the 1979 we can speak about 50 producer uh, in the, the the 1967 when the consortium was founded was founded by uh, 14 producer my family was one of them and there was around uh, 6 7 producer out from the consortium and one of for sure that the first producer 18 85, the first bottle made was the Biondi Santis family, who we can say invented the Brunello di Montalcino, so made the first bottle of Brunello di Montalcino, labeled like Brunello di Montalcino. Uh, the big explosion was in the 90s, we arrived at the end, at the beginning of 2000s, to have 230 producers. Uh, that's also because of the, uh, the wine becomes very, very famous, and uh, uh, especially here in the United States. The vintage 1990, which was released in 1995, was the consecration for the Brunello di Montalcino, like a great wine, like a, a, a wine for collector, which is a segment, which is the market where we are looking for, and for, for high-quality restaurants. So uh, we can say the big growing in terms of numbers of producer, of producer has been uh, uh, between the 90s and the 2000s. Okay, so 1885, one producer, 1961, 14 producers. In the consortium, 20 in total, something like that. 20 producers in total, late 1970s, 50 producers, late 1990s, 230. Yeah. That's a a huge growth. And is it possible for the numbers to continue to grow? Is the zone, are you guys talking about increasing the zone of Montalcino at all? Or is it, it seems like most of the area planted that could be planted is planted at this point. Yeah, the point is that from the, uh, to 230 producer, uh, it's a numbers, but it's not strong linked to the growing of the vineyards because we mm-hmm. had a very big attention to plant all in the best place in Montalcino. So to maintain, we arrived to have uh, 2,000 hectares in 1999, and we decide to stop to plant vineyards because uh, almost all, uh, all the best places were already planted with Brunello di Montalcino. So you can plant other vines to make IGT, to make, to make uh, Sant'Antimo, which is our third denomination, but not to make more Brunello di Montalcino. So maybe producer can grow in terms of um, in terms of uh, numbers or in terms of producer but not uh, with the same amount uh, of vineyards so it can happen that uh, some producer maybe sell and they divide uh, say between three new producer uh, even if the, the value today in Montalcino it's very really high value so we are more subjected to external investors than to autoxonal producer to 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 uh, to to be like a new producer yeah. in Montalcino. But I think that uh, some of the, I mean, very historical producers, like uh, around 50 producers, we never, I mean, we never sell vines and we never sell vineyards because that's our life, that's our passion. 
I have to ask you because Montalcino has been in the news in the past few years, uh, at least in the wine news. I don't, I don't know if our, if how many, uh, of our guests at least, uh, talk about this or know about this, but, um, there was obviously the, the, the scandal with some people adulterating or the supposed adulterating of, uh, of Montalcino had, um, a Brunel di Montalcino guys, the Brunel di Montalcino has to be a hundred percent Sangiovese Grosso. Um, uh, from understanding, there are different clones of Sangiovese Grosso, yep. but none of them include Cabernet Sauvignon, <laughs> for sure, uh, uh, or, or or Syrah or, or any French grapes. Uh, and there was uh, an accusation that some producers had been doing this. Um, I think ultimately, in the end, no one was found to be guilty um, of of doing this, from my understanding. But I was wondering if there are any uh, repercussions if there's if that if that that scandal is still felt do you still talk about it? have you guys changed the way that 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 maybe um, people analyze vineyards or analyze wines what what how, how is that still felt today now you know when um, uh, if you look about the numbers that uh, everything Montalcino had uh, some problems in uh, 2009 but very strong link to the international crisis not very strong link with what happened with the wine for sure was not a beautiful image that uh, Montalcino gave to the world to not respect the law of production. And uh, we, like Canalica di Sopra, we are, I mean, uh, very focused on Sangiovese. We only have Sangiovese grapes. We yeah, only you guys don't even grape. make an IGT wine or a no, white wine. You only go to Sangiovese. Brunello and Rosso di Montalcino. And, uh, and so my grandfather was one of the people that wrote the first uh, law of production in 1966 when the first EOC was made for Brunello di Montalcino. So we, very, uh, uh, we are very against to uh, use uh, uh, other grapes. And, uh, but uh, um, something happened in 2008, we, everybody, everybody knows. Uh, the point is that uh, a name like Brunello is uh, is a big name, so everybody want want to speak about Brunello di Montalcino. And when there is something wrong, for sure, it's it's good for journalists for everybody to speak about to speak about that because it gives audience, no. So uh, the problem, the real problem, was uh, smaller than uh, than uh, what seems at the beginning, but the problem was there. So it has it has very really uh, good. Uh, chance to have the strong consortium that uh, has been able to uh, to maintain all together to restart from a different way and I think that from this period also some uh, wine changer we are going back to have more classicity to have more uh, terroir attention in the wines and uh, I think that's the the, 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 the the problem was also a bit influenced by what uh, uh, the market were, was asking in the in the nineties, which is completely different from today. And like Canalicchio di Sopra, we feel that we feel that uh, we have uh, we are having great success for now because something is changing the mind in the palate of the people. They want to drink a wine because they want to drink, not just because they want to taste a glass for f- full. I mean, super body wine. And we, we are happy about uh, this changement uh, and this uh, to be back uh, on the traditional classic style uh, wines in general. And um, not big uh, effect uh, uh, in terms of uh, uh, numbers, uh, because, uh, I mean, the value of Brunello di Montalcino now is three times, which was uh, 
in 2009. So we have to think that uh, there is a market for sure, like everywhere of wine, not bottled yeah, wine. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't feel like that, the, that everything that happened back in 2008 really has affected the image in at least at least what i see in new york of of montalcino but uh for sure when it came out there was so much press frenzy about it yeah. it was like this huge huge thing the brunello scandal no this is something will be always present no? also in this interview always mm. when i speak with people always remember it will be for the next 20 years so it's something mm. that uh, was better to not to not have in the history of brunello di montalcino but uh it's something that happened it's it's also maybe good that happen in front of everybody so we have the chance to to be clear and to and uh, and to restart but really the, the, at the end of uh, of the of everything uh, it was only speaking about something like uh, 500,000 bottles in now, a production which is 9 million for year now some people have been talking about allowing the international grapes into Rosso di Montalcino um, is there any movement on this is this is this actually uh, a possibility of something that might happen, or is this just that, people talking? That was uh, two years ago. Well, we get a votation on the consortium to make uh, two different classification of Rosso di Montalcino, a selection of Rosso di Montalcino only made uh, with uh, Sangiovese grapes, uh, mainly from the, the classification of Brunello di Montalcino for the producer like us, that we may only make Rosso di Montalcino reclassificate. Uh, Brunello grapes and making a regular Rosso di Montalcino open 15% to be add to the international grapes. This has been avoided two years ago uh, with a votation which was 75% against this uh, this option, and so there is no more uh, no more possibility for that. We are going to to continue like. Uh, uh like i mean uh, we believe in that because we are doing we are doing that we are going to continue to make also rosso di montalcino 100% with sangiovese grapes okay all right we're going to finish up on some uh more fun questions um uh, not about necessarily about canalico di sopra brunello even though uh it is uh something that i love and you know very well when you are not drinking uh brunello di montalcino what wines what other wines are you drinking I am a big uh, uh, fan of Piedmont wines. I really like uh, uh, the bees of Italy, so Brunello, Barbaresco, and Barolo, because uh, I really found a similarity in the terroir style. And with the connection uh, of, uh, uh, for sure, I, my, my first wines are Italian wines, are very nationalist in the wine, uh, in the wine drinking. But uh, I have really to say that uh, uh, there is a, uh, uh, I mean, uh, no year where I'm, I cannot drink at least a bottle of good Burgundy or a great bottle of champagne for sure. Even if uh, also in Italy there we are having great, great uh, sparkling wines. Francia Corte is growing a lot, is making great, great wines. So uh, usually I'm a consumer of uh, Francia Corta and uh, uh, Trento Doc like sparkling wine, and I'm. I'm a very, very big fan for the elegance, uh, also because I have a great friendship, great friends in uh, in Piedmont, but they're doing very great wines uh, uh, with uh, Piedmont wines, especially Barbaresco and Barolo. Do you drink any Amaro or Grappa? Do you have a favorite Amaro or Grappa? Uh, I, uh, I'm not really a big fan of Grappa, even if our estate we make a small production of, uh, of Grappa, very simple white Grappa. Uh, from the from the skins of the old vines, but uh, in this 
in this side I'm, I'm not really Italian in terms that uh, I really like uh, some uh, scotch whiskey and rum especially rum would you rather drive a Ferrari or Lamborghini I never I, I will never have this kind of car <laughs> I, even if uh, I, I like very much uh, but I think is uh, this is not for a wine make for a Brunello producer uh, this is not for uh, for a, I mean for a farmer like our family is this is a car maybe for investors in wine industry but not not for us but they are great cars for sure hard to uh, hard to drive down the dirt road uh, I thought if you were going to choose one maybe you might choose a Lamborghini because he was a farmer before he got yeah yeah the, you're right before he got into the uh... yeah but also the Ferrari family the, the, the style like a very simple family with a great uh, we had a great mission in the mind and so that's two beautiful things about it made in Italy together with a one we have something very beautiful and something that a lot of visitors around the world want to came and see so that's we are really if with all the problems we have especially political problems and economics problems but we are really i think we are really like to to lucky to 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 live in a very fantastic place like italy is and uh last question is how's italy going to do in the world cup uh, i don't know <laughs> this this year is very challenging because uh uh i mean it's uh it maybe is not the year when italy has the best team but uh, uh, it has a big problem in 82. It has a big problem in 2006. So not great expectation because of the problem, internal problem with, uh, with, uh, with the soccer in, in 2006. So maybe it can be the right, the right year. But I'm, I'm not very confident to arrive at the, <laughs> at the end. We will see. Was this, so 80, 80, 2006, a good Montalcino year. 82, pretty good Montalcino year. Yeah, yeah. maybe 2014. Uh, 2014 started in a good way, so we see it's very it's too soon. early. Yeah. It's too early to, to, to see what's happened. But uh, we really have a great impression, I want to say it's possible, about 2013. We really have the chance uh, to show something different in a great way, something we were not useful to have in the last 10, 15 years. A very traditional, very old-style vintage with a great acidity, beautiful perfume, so really like, like to, to, to be... To release 2013 Rosso in next December, which will be great. Great, be great. All right, Francesco Ripacciola. You can see, 27 years old. Uh, the, the the kind of maturity um, that you've I've, as soon as you know as long as I've known you since you were 20, um, you, you've had the same kind of level-headedness and maturity and, and intelligence and, and obviously passion for, for what you're doing. It makes sense to me that you're, you're one of the vice presidents of the consortio and uh, the, the legacy of, of the, the estate that your grandfather started is, is in really good hands, and I can't, I can't wait to see what's happening in the future. Thank hey, you so much for being on the show. Thank you, Joe. It was a very nice talking with you. Um, and come, come to any of our restaurants, and you can feel free to pop up one of Francesco's wines. Uh, this has been In the Drink on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Thanks for listening to this program on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. You can email us questions at any time at info at heritageradionetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.